Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, Mm-hmm. You know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll, the Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle Recovery, when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. I connect with you in a way that I've never connected with anyone before. And so I do want you to know that like, after you meeting my family, um, I knew that I was gonna take my emotions to a whole different level. And I was ready for that. Um, and I can say that I am falling in love with you now. That makes me so excited and it's so scary. But it's so genuine and it's so real. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And this is the first round of the playoffs. Hometown. Wowie. Couldn't be more exciting. Let me tell you something. 
what I love <laughs> about playoffs. There ain't uh-huh. no bullshit. The producers are not firing five new players into the season. They're not bringing back mm-hmm. Heather Martins. They're not cutting group dates in half so we don't get to see what happens during the day. This is each player getting a day portion and a night portion where they have to interact with their family. Let's see what you can do. It's all there. You can't hide. You're not going to get lost in the shuffle. This is pure play presented as such. And I fucking love it. I love the pure game of it. It's also one of my favorite rounds because you got these wild cards. You got the family. How well the player might be really good, but can they prep their family for this gauntlet? Some of them know. Some of them did poor planning with the family. Serena P, I'm looking at you. We will get to Serena P's final performance, but also... Hometowns comes with a new set of game dynamics that don't really exist outside of Hometowns. You are looking at two things specifically. The glow, which is a family member telling the player, I can tell you're happy. I can tell he makes you happy. You have a glow about you. Sometimes they will literally say the word glow. The first glow ever was the ring winner of season two, Helene Eksterowitz, on her second hometown. No blessing, but she got the first glow. And, of course, the blessing is the other hometown component we are looking for here. That is when the lead asks one or more of the parents for the blessing to propose to that parent's child. And we saw Matt James doing an interesting thing here, taking it out of the game completely. And we are going to get to that. You know who got the first blessing? Hmm. Alu Fedotowski mm. on Jake Pavelka season, season 14. Kind of late. You would think the blessing would be around for a while, but that's the first one. Fascinating. Well, we are going to get to all of the best plays tonight. We are going to get to some of the history of the game where hometowns are concerned. And we can't wait to bring it to you. Are you ready, Pace Case, to give them oh, what yeah. they came here for? Let's do it. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Quick update. We have to issue two corrections. They are both related to TikTok. Number one, we incorrectly stated that Danny Padilla was the player with the most TikTok followers, but he has actually been beat by one player, Madison Pruitt. Danny Padilla has 1.5 million followers, but Maddie Prue has 2 million followers on TikTok. So she is the current champion of what is the most important social media platform for our beloved game in the next five years. Fascinating. Second correction, also TT related. I've been told by a quote-unquote loyal Gen Z pit dweller, I'm taking their word on this, their generation, that, quote, don't use the FYP hashtag makes the account look so dated that that worked in September, December of 2019. So hopefully clues that'll help you on your TikTok quest to be hip with the Gen Zers. Thank you. I just put out a TikTok today and I did not include the FYP or for your page hashtags. I'm glad you ignored my advice because it was wrong. 
And that's the end of our corrections. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to give you what you came for. Let's begin this episode. This historic first round of playoffs in season 25 begins with a teaser. We see Serena P., Bree, Michelle, and Rachel Kirkconnell all in quick shots of what their hometowns are going to be. Kirkconnell's dad seems skeptical. Bree's sister tells her she has to protect herself. Rachel doesn't seem smitten. They're skydiving, and we see that Rachel is going to hit the ground very hard. All of this is coming up, and we are delivered that in our first teaser. And we begin this episode with a couple swans on a pond. And one swan looked directly into the fucking lens. And that swan was my... Creature of the week. I thought this was a great fourth audience play by the swan. Look, I noticed the swan. I saw what the swan was trying to do. There's no denying the swan knew he was on camera and looked directly into Mm -hmm. the lens saying, I am the creature of the week. Choose me. Select me. Yeah. I saw what he did. And I obeyed. I did not obey. Came very close to obeying, did not obey. You thought it was 4TWR. Right after that important moment, Matt James does ab exercises in his room. He starts starts us off. He says it's hometown week. Then he demonstrates how Peloton offers floor and weight classes as well. And then he hops between a bunch of rocks in his backyard, sits on one, and ponders. Does a little tongue play here. And then the disgraced Dark Lord himself enters the Nema common room with the remaining players. He tells them that this is hometowns and there's a shift. Once hometowns start, everything becomes more serious. You have to understand that going forward. And he explains that we are still living in what he calls extraordinary times. So they're not going to leave. They have instead already brought in the people that mean the most to each of these players and I guess supposedly quarantined them, but they're there. And DLH (laughs) then begins to tell each of the players who has arrived for them. Serena, Mom, Dad, and your sister Talia. Rach, he says. Mom, Dad, and sister Trinity. Michelle, Mom and Dad. Bree, your best friend, also named Bree, and your mom and baby sister. Now, in this moment, some of these players start sobbing. Specifically Bree. This is the kind of emotional torture they've been put through on this show. That just hearing the mention of mom or dad, not even a person's name, sends her into fucking tears. She hasn't seen them that for, what, a month? Beautifully for TRR. Love the tear play. Serena P tries to, she tries to pull tears, but she's just scratching her eye. <laughs> and then after this moment, we get a shot of some sheep on a hillside. And then we cut to a single shot of one sheep strutting his stuff. This sheep knows the camera's on him and he's not disappointing. This sheep is giving us everything he's got as he's sauntering down the hill with a swagger in his step. And this sheep was my... Creature of the week. 
This has made me realize I'm very bad at identifying animals. I wrote cows slash goats. <laughs> Might have been a goat. I don't know. I thought it was a sheep. I think it was a sheep. Maybe it was a goat. It was not a cow. Well, that much I can I mean, tell you. <laughs> cows don't really saunter down hills. I mean, beautiful. Whatever animal this was, loved it. And then we begin the first hometown. Here we go. Playoffs begin. This is Michelle's hometown. We start, as we always do with hometowns, during the day. This is going to be a take your bachelor to work slash child's play slash picnic hometown date. She meets Matt James on the road in the woods. She performs a hooju. As you know, I'll be doing a deep dive into the suju where I really break it down and analyze it on my Instagram. But my cursory viewing of it. Give us the... Be in the moment snapshot. It's an okay hooju. She gets ankle lock, which is necessary for a perfect hooju. And we have not seen a lot of ankle lock this season, so she's already a cut above with that. But ultimately, I thought the mount was kind of bad. She has to pull herself up. We're seeing a lot of that this season. What you're looking for in a hooju is a good mount that allows your arms to clear the bachelor's shoulders, your legs to clear the bachelor's hips. You want to be in full position as you mount to have that perfect cling. You don't want to have to pull mm-hmm. yourself up. This is not a two-step process. Like a spaceship docking, you're saying. Something to like go that. exact. Yeah. You just want to fit directly into the position, hold it for an amount of time that allows you to make out with him, and then do a perfect dismount while still looking at his eyes and maintaining physical contact. And again, I will analyze it in more detail on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> There is also a very important thing to note in this moment, and that is we know Michelle does her research, and in this case, she knew exactly who Matt James's stylist was, and she paid him off to make sure that she could be wearing a matching outfit with him today. They're wearing the exact same outfit. This is 100% third audience play. She's definitely talking to his casting or his producer, whoever his handlers are, maybe they even have the same one. She's getting information from producers for sure. In my mind, when I was like, she's paying off the wardrobe person, I was like, I'm going out on a limb here. And then you're like, I 100% back you guaranteed it's true. After we've seen all these documents surface, like from Raven, where she said she showed her notes on a, it wound up on Reddit. I forget where she posted it originally, but she had a handwritten story. Oh, there you go. It was in her IG stories. She had a handwritten fucking note where she had categorized all the remaining players into different groups and what pushed whose buttons and all this stuff. And she's like, I traded this information to producers for extra sleep. These deals get made between players and producers Mm -hmm. just straight on their face. I believe that's what happened here. It was too coincidental. She tells him that her family loves to go on evening bike rides. So they're going to go on a day bike ride to try to recreate that. And they ride bicycles and hold hands. And Michelle does some future casting here. Says, you know, do you picture yourself a dad riding like on a tandem bike with your kids? And he says, yeah, but I see my kids ripping past me. That's what I have coming to me. I know it. I was like, so your kids are going to be assholes? Is that what you're projecting? I think he's, I think he, okay. I think he's subtly saying I was an asshole, so I'm owed it. I see. That's what I got from this. But I'll buy that. 
He's going to purposefully raise, raise his kids to be assholes. This is a brilliant piece of future casting, as you're saying. Hometown dates, you got to start doing some of that. What is our life going to look like after this? You have to get the lead thinking about it, and you have to convince the lead that you're thinking about it as well. This is perfectly fucking played. I mean, this fuck. I, this whole date this whole hometown, was I mean. extraordinary. If you were in our uh, YouTube Live pregame show before tonight's episode... I was. As was I. We were talking about Michelle's overall play, and I said she was a fine player, but not outstanding. After tonight, I retract that statement. <laughs> and we will get to all the rest of the things she does in this, but it starts right here with this future casting. It's just laid out perfectly. It's germane to the activity they're doing. It's talking about future kids. She's wearing the same clothes as him. She's literally fucking <laughs> mirroring everything about mirroring him. Mirroring every single thing. It's This is like expert level. They're also doing, you know, it's a side-by-side, slow-moving vehicle flirtation. This is something that we saw Ben do on Tasha's season with the scooters. Uh, extremely playful. Now, the next portion of this hometown day it's still a day they walk into a building there is a sign on the door and it says miss young's classroom this isn't a school they enter it's an auditorium and there is a huge projected screen of a cl- classroom of Michelle Young's children. I guess probably the the best behaved. I'm not sure that it was her entire class. <laughs> I would love to get those numbers, see if anyone was cut. Um, and Michelle introduces Matt James to her kids. Right off the bat, one girl, Lekna, pipes in. Is that your boyfriend? Oh my God, this date is already so fucking cute. It's so cute. It's so 4TRR, I can't handle it. (laughs) Yeah, this date was quite impressive. This is what we were talking about when we said this is the take your bachelor to work date. Now, usually on a hometown, you can go to the actual place where you work. Madison Pruitt did this when she took P.E.P.E. to the college where her dad coached. That was kind of a take the bachelor to your dad's work, but it fulfilled the same purpose (laughs) because it allowed her to show him her expertise in basketball where she schooled him. Uh, Whitney Bischoff did this uh, when she took her souls to the hospital where she was a fertility nurse. This is almost invariably a good idea to do on the day portion of your hometown day if you can. And here she adds well, this extra uh, caveat. I would say it depends on your work. We did have the one woman that worked at the at the funeral home, and I think that hometown was a lot. That is true. If your job does not involve death, then you should do it. <laughs> but here, Michelle raises it to the next level by not only saying, this is what I do for a living, and I take it very uh, seriously. It's very important to me. Here's an army of children, and this is where you get the (laughs) child's play element of this date, which always, always elevates a date. And she's even using the children here 
to make herself look better. Kind of similar uh, to what Luke P. did when he took his hometown with Hannah Brown and he forced all the members of his church to vouch for his good character. This was a brilliant move by Michelle. Again, she is just like each successive move is better than the last. And you get all these little kids, all of their names are on screen asking these various questions of have you kissed each other? Are you going to have babies, et cetera, et cetera. Are you going to marry her? Matt answers, try and process of figuring that out. I will Zoom call you when I know. So I'm like, okay, is he going to do a Zoom blessing call? Andy's going to call this kid Tyler? Interesting. But we get to one child. By the way, several of these children are wearing Team Miss Young sweaters written on their chests. I mean... They're already indoctrinated into the game of it. It's incredible. And then one child, sweet little Elise, pulls up a letter. And she reads this letter that Miss Young wrote to her supposedly before some test that says, you can do anything when you put your mind to it. This inspires me every day. How will you inspire Miss Young? Turns it back on Matt James, makes a gesture of a heart with her hands, and Elise was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Clearly, this is Michelle's favorite student that she entrusted with this task of reading the letter, which could get Michelle's exact words that she wanted reflected right back to her. This child was a plant, and I think she did it wonderfully it reminded me a little bit of um vanessa grimaldi brought in a letter written by her kids on her night one uh mini date with nick vial they read it together and this was like a later in the game similar play i could not agree with you more i I think it's a very similar play and achieves a very similar effect when do you believe she wrote that letter do you believe she wrote it specifically for this moment in the bachelor before she left and she's like if I get to hometowns I'm doing this do you think she had this strategy in mind the whole time when else would she have done it was it genuine was it sincerely a letter that she wrote to this kid and the kid keeps it and reads it every day no (laughs) I'm sorry I don't think so I believe in Elise's acting skills (laughs) all these kids were fantastic in the end of this fucking date Michelle gets them all to Mm -hmm. thumbs up her. This is a child's glow. She pulls it out of them. I mean, it's not quite a glow because it's not saying like, oh, you look like you're in love with this person, but it is a physical demonstration of emotion. And dramatically, it serves the same function. It's the person who is there that is not a player or the lead this other kind of like familial person, a friend, whoever, they mm-hmm. serve that dramatic function and it's the Approving. approval of it's that. It's more of a blessing. It is more, of, is a more blessing. of a blessing. Yeah. It's a gestural blessing from children. Michelle bringing in this army of children to her day portion was my play, 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 play of the game. I mean, everything that we're saying. This was extremely well orchestrated 
for TRR play. This was a fucking play for Crown. It is so endearing. It makes her seem like a true professional, that she's for TRR, that she's not an influencer. Also, she was able to script the entire thing. It's also topical because it demonstrates how hard it is to teach when you're social distance learning. She's got her producer plant, Elise. I couldn't have loved it more. And now that I think that Katie might not be in the running anymore for Bachelorette, this was, I mean, it's hard to beat. I completely agree with you. There was nothing left to chance here. It was all completely planned and executed at 100% efficiency. And, And there's more of this date still, by the way. We're not even fucking done with it. But to watch what she has done this whole season, now in in context with each other, she came in late in the game in the group of five that was vilified by the rest of the players. She was able to take a one-on-one date out of that immediately and get a one-on-one rose. She has then consistently been in the top players every fucking week after that. And now she's doing this. She came into this game with a plan and she has stuck to it she is executing everything perfectly from i mean looking at his twitter pulling quotes out of his twitter to use back on him in this fucking show mind-blowingly good do you know what else is gonna blow your mind michelle comboed this with a parasocial play which i'm sure we will break down in our twibbon but at just a little preview she posted a picture that is a collage of all of the children's faces with her face in the center and says, shout out to a few special MVPs from tonight's episode. Are you shitting me? No, I'm not. I think Michelle might listen to Game of Roses. <laughs> I I mean, this is a strong indicator. This parasocial play is, is fucking incredible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she should know they're not MVPs, that they're bystanders, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) If she would have put shout out to a few very special Jorge Moreno bystanders of the week, I would have lost my mind. (laughs) JMB OTW? Yeah. Or wait, JM. Yeah. Jorge Moreno bystanders. JMB OTW. Well, then. Michelle and Matt James head to a little picnic in the grass and she tells him that she's passionate about her kids and sharing that passion has been hard for her to find in other relationships. She tells him that he was the reason she was able to leave those students behind to come indulge in this process and be there for him. And he tells her he's worried about first impressions with her family. She says to be himself. It worked on her beautiful little moment where she's allaying Mm -hmm. his anxiety and saying, I'm here for TRR. My feelings for you are real and she gives him a kiss and then in an itm she loads love level three she is not fucking around we know what is going to happen at the night portion of this date it's right there she's doing everything so well the structure of her season of play at this point especially just going back again to the coming into the season late and everything she's done this date tonight made me see all of it in a way that I have not yet seen. It started to unfold before me like, oh, fuck. She's planned every move she's made. It's beautiful. 
Just a little note here. This ITM from Michelle was a little bit frank invited together when she says if they didn't like Matt, it would be hard for me to move forward with this relationship. It's setting up this false cliffhanger that maybe her parents won't approve of him. Portion two. It is the night portion. It is the M-O-T-F, the meeting of the family. Michelle and Matt hold hands and walk up to a house. And Michelle gives him a little pep talk at the threshold. Just be yourself like what I love to see. You've stayed true to yourself this whole process. I know they're going to see what I see. And they go in to meet Michelle's parents, her mom, LaVon, her dad, Ephraim, and Michelle immediately pulls tears. It's perfect. It means everything she's going to say now is for TRR. You cannot go against it. And they sit down and Michelle starts to explain to her parents in this moment that I found really fucking funny. She's like, yeah, I uh, came in late and didn't even know I was walking into a rose ceremony. And it's like, yeah, the producers yeah. completely <laughs> fucked you and you still are yeah, sitting in this chair right now. blindsided. And then her dad, Ephraim, ITMs that she looks happy like her old smiling self. This is dad glow. Before we've even seen one-on-one conversations between her dad and her or Matt James. Just dad glow out of the fucking gate. He loves gate. the glow. He glows her to her face. He says, we could tell you were happy. And he also, by the way, in the ITM said she had a couple of relationships in the past that were not so good. So he's highlighting her PTC as well of heartbreak. Well, has little walls. Worried he could be in love with multiple people. He asked her if she would accept a proposal, and she says yes. A little precog here to dad. She seals that with some tears, and she knows they saw her in a hard place with her last breakup. And her dad says, but she bounced back, and he's going to be here to protect her from anything that would hurt her. Dad is giving her nothing but support here. This is a perfectly played dad role. I don't know if she's talked yes. to them prior to this, prior to coming on the show and said whatever happens. Are you kidding me? She prepped them. They felt prepped to me as well, and they are executing flawlessly here. Matt and Michelle's dad have one-on-one time, and the dad asks, you know, what are the characteristics that differentiate Michelle? Matt says she has strong convictions, aligned with a lot of her life experiences and what he wants to accomplish. And dad says, are you in love with her or not? Matt James... He dances around this. I haven't told her yet. I am falling for your daughter. Dad gives an unprompted blessing. This was unfucking believable to me. That moment where the dad is like, well, we trust her decision making process and we'll respect her choice and we will be supportive no matter what that is. Matt James did not ask for this fucking blessing. This dad, Ephraim, is just like, here's a fucking blessing. At that moment, I was like, she fucking told him. She had to have told him before this, like, when you come on here, say I look happy and tell Matt James it's cool if he asked me to marry him. I felt that Michelle's parents were two of the most prepped parents here. They came off super for TRR. Ephraim is a wonderful character. Then we get some one-on-one time with Mom and Michelle. 
And Michelle's mom asks if she thinks he could be the one. She nods, produces tears once again. And mom asks her if she seems if it's too fast. And she says no, which doesn't make sense either because she's a take it slow kind of person. But she thinks he's getting there too. And if she didn't feel it reciprocated, she wouldn't be there. She feels that Matt James will put her first no matter what, just like her dad does with her mom. And her mom says, if he makes you happy, and I can see that he does, this is a mom glow, (laughs) they will love him and be part of their family. Again, this is a perfectly prepped mom. Support, support, support. Here's your glow. Can't wait to have him as part of the family. And we'll love him. That's mom blessing. And then they all go out and play around a family basketball. And Michelle's mom is taking it to him. She does a step back three pointer and just drains it. I don't know if you saw that. She did preseason training for this. This basketball date is also future casting. It's like, hey, if we were to have a family gathering on a weekend, you know, this is what it might look like. This is what it might look like. And it's letting Matt James show his athletic talents, which is always good. Let a bachelor show off for you a little bit if you can. And then after the basketball game, we get the outdoor bench, which is what every player is going to get at their hometown. It's a strange kind of double step of what is usually just the auto zone where the player in lead will go stand out by the car after hometown is over. But here we get this bench step, and on the bench, Matt James says he's very happy about them because he knows how important it is to have family on board, and her family's on board. Michelle tells him she's looking for the love her parents have. She connects with him in a way she's never connected with anyone before, and she knew that meeting her family would take her emotions to a whole new level. And she says, <laughs> and I quote, and I can say that I am falling in love with you, Matt. LL3 Ray's textbook. Every piece of that conversation is hit correctly. This was my... Play, 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 play of the game. She says, it makes me so excited and it's so scary, but, and here's the fucking flourish. Mm -hmm. Here's what, for me, put it over the top. This is the the thing. (laughs) I know it. This is the thing that made this my play of the game over the child army, because I was on board Mm -hmm. with child army. This shit, though, she goes, it's so excited, it's so scary, but it's so genuine and so real, which leads directly into a fucking kiss. That is Madison Pruitt's famous line that was used by who she claimed was her social media manager (laughs) commenting on one of her own posts. But she commented as Madison Pruitt on one of her own posts of her in the show, and her comment to herself was, you're so genuine, so real. This is a fucking inside (laughs) joke for all of Bachelor Nation when she says this. I literally got full body chills when Michelle said this line. I was like, is she playing fucking 10 dimensional chess here where she knows this line is so famous within, I mean, specifically maybe Bachelor subreddit community. I don't know if anyone knows about it outside of that, but knowing that there's going to be memes made of her and this Madison Pruitt post, so genuine, so real. And, by the way, also assuming that Matt James is not going to get this reference, 
that kind of implies maybe she's 4TWR. I, God. I thought it was a, just an open display of acknowledging she's playing a game. I think this was her saying to the people who know what that means. Hey guys, I'm fucking doing it. I'm playing the game. It was incredible. Again, this entire date was flawless. That moment for me was like, oh my God. It was like realizing what you've been watching all along is something else, is something way better. I also wrote after this, I said, I can't tell where the paranoia ends and the accuracy begins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because I feel like I'm taking crazy pills being like, Michelle is talking to us saying it's a game in this moment when it's like, I don't know. These are also just like generic bachelor terms that get used a lot. She quoted his own tweets back to him. She's wearing the same. Angelo, who's very famous. (laughs) That's true. And that could have been an isolated incident. She also wore the exact same outfit he wore. She also had a scripted letter that she had one of her children read from that classroom. Both parents glowed. Dad gave a fucking blessing without it being asked. She's using Madison Pruitt lines. She's LL3ing perfectly. The construction of how she laid out that LL3, it wasn't even just, and I'm falling in love with you. It was like, listen, I've been thinking about this a lot. We connect in a way I've never connected before. And I knew that coming here to do the hometown would get my LL to go up. She's raising it to three, not four. She knows there's another round of this game yet to play. She's got to save the final. It's just beautiful. Like she's a player and she's stunning in her play style. And we will get to the Rose Quotients at the end of this episode of the remaining players and let you know what those are. Let me just say that. I can't wait. Numbers, numbers coming at you at the end. Uh, they make out in the auto zone. Michelle likes that she got a positive smile after her love level three raise. And Michelle loads a great, you know, she's starting to load her victimization story. She says, when Matt and I walk away from this experience hand in hand, life will be so full. It was a perfect hometown. We've seen other perfect hometowns. They're always impressive. But this shit was just... For the season she was given by the producers to overcome being forced into the game late, to overcome Heather Martin coming in, the producers really did a huge amount of effort this season to try and destroy everything. And she is just fucking bobbing and weaving. It's incredible. After this date tonight, I am sold on Michelle Young as one of the top players this season. Totally. It's hard to do a hometown date this good and (laughs) to inspire my mind to go to such lengths. (laughs) I was literally like, okay, so she's stalking his house. She's watching what he's going to wear. She's in the bushes. (laughs) I think she literally just asked his producer, like, hey, what's he wearing? Probably that that that's probably more likely. And if that producer has stake in her as a player, like mm-hmm. if she becomes bachelorette, that producer is going to help her because that raises the producer's fucking merit in the 
hierarchy of producers. Right. All of these producers are attached to players and they want those players to go as far as possible because they then rise up the ranks of the producers. Do you think they get a bonus if that person becomes the next Bachelorette? I don't know if it's financial or not, but it's like you'll then be the producer of the next Bachelorette. Mm. And before we begin portion number three, please enjoy this word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. Portion three. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, they haven't taken Dark Lord Harrison's voice out of the seniors looking for love promo. We see some wheat. Rachel is driving a Batmobile. Don't know what this car is. I think it's a Plymouth Prowler. Is that a famous thing? They were like new-ish kind of cars 15 years ago or something. They were like, oh, those cars look weird. I found it strange that she would be driving one now. Oh, you're right. It is. It looks like a Batmobile. It's kind of made to emulate like an old 30s gangster type body design. Uh, But Matt is waiting for her in this open field. She gets out of the car and uh, just gives him a standing hug. Blown hooju. Couldn't believe it. At this point, hometowns, every hometown greeting is a hooju. It's an opportunity for one, I should say. We know Rachel's not in the pit. She's not who doing. She's not doing an Instagram scrub. <laughs> so she tells Matt after the standing hug that communication and honesty and trust are important to her. So do you trust me? She asks. And then she blindfolds him and she drives him to an airstrip. This is an exact repeat of a hometown date between Colton Underwood and Tasha Adams in season 23 down to the fucking blindfold. This literal exact date happened. It had a different vibe, though. Would you not agree? I was like, I don't want to see Rachel Kirkconnell blindfolding him and kidnapping him and taking him somewhere. This whole season has a different vibe than any season we've ever experienced. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, I mean, the producers, I think, I don't have proof of this, but it seems... Extremely I'm like say it. well, extremely, <laughs> it's either true or or the other version of it is true, which is also equally bad about Rachel's involvement in this season. 
they either cast her specifically because they hoped some kind of racism issue would come up and they could use it in the plot which they have done in a bunch of other seasons or they were just so bad at their job they didn't catch this shit and it has the same result either way that's what's happened this season and that is now the story of the season and because Rachel Kirkconnell keeps making it through round after round and again it looks very likely she's going to win speaking of lenses Dark Lord Harrison that's the lens through which we are watching the entire show now Matt expects that she's going to blindfold him he says I constantly give her shit I could see her taking me on a revenge date they get in the car he's grabbing her thigh very freaked out and she finally unties his blindfold at a skydiving plane and there are two unmasked gentlemen here who say you ready to go 12,000 feet and they do indeed go up 12,000 feet Rachel makes a joke about dying they joke about being nervous and then they are pushed out of this fucking plane and they're given what seems like a half hour long segment of them free falling and skydiving. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of time spent with them in the air having fun. Very different from the Colton date, which was maybe a couple of seconds of him screaming uh, as loud <laughs> as he could as he fell out of this plane because he was very scared of it. And then finally, they land back at Nemecolon. Matt James landing is fine, but Rachel... And her tandem jump instructor smash into the ground very hard, looks very painful, and Matt James runs to check on them. This is a version of an IFI, an injury, fear, or illness play. In this case, the injury is real, not imagined, but someone <laughs> is missing from this moment where Matt James and Rachel Kirkconnell are on the ground and he's checking on her. The missing person is the tandem jump instructor who also crashed into the ground with Rachel Kirkconnell. And this skydiving instructor was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. What happened to this dude? He also smashed into the ground. He just got disappeared. <laughs> I, I was like the whole time, I'm like, is that guy okay? What the fuck? I Where didn't is he? think about it. We never see him again. I got swept up in the narrative. I didn't even think about this poor man. Rachel has some grass in her mouth and she seems shaken up, but all right. And they sit in the grass and they talk a little bit. She assures him she's okay. And Matt James has a real moment here, he says. It's a different feeling when you're falling in love and that person's potentially really hurt. That thought of losing you setting in that moment when we were just getting started, I didn't realize how strongly I felt. Rachel is pulling tears at this point. She cries when she's talking to Matt James. She cries in her ITM and says that made me fall more in love with him. They make out. Rachel says, I can't even think about going through life without Matt at this point. And Matt James LL3s her in that conversation. He says, it's a different feeling seeing something like that when you're falling in love. Well, he had already done it, but yeah, he rehits it. And then we go to portion four. It's the night half of Rachel Kirkconnell's date. He brings two bags and some flowers as his Kringles. And 
Rachel's dad, inside the room before they arrive, says he'd be surprised if she was in love. The dad doesn't see how somebody would propose that soon. What's the rush? The dad apparently has not seen a TV show called The Bachelor before. He is trying to go for some sort of a colorful character here, though. When they come in, he says, spill the beans. And then when they say they went skydiving, he goes, did you crap your pants? (laughs) I bet he had some other catchphrases that we were not privy to. But yes, I got the same vibe. He was trying to sweeten them a little bit. And it's like, there's only one sweeten them. Sorry, dude. You ain't it. No, he does not sparkle like sweet gums. By the way, Rachel also loads here that she's hoping Matt will ask her dad for the blessing. She's specifically calling that out. Then Rachel has some one-on-one time with her mom in which she tells mom there are no red flags here. And she divulges to her mom that she is bruised up from the fucking airplane (laughs) crash. And... She's covered it with makeup. It was a really hard landing. And she says that how Matt James comforted her in that moment is how she wants a partner to react. And she feels confident moving forward and tells mom in a precog she would say yes to a proposal. Matt James and the father, Daryl, are at the parental fire pit outside. And the dad again hits this thing. Wouldn't you want to give yourselves more time? Matt James says, I get that, but the end goal is to be married. I've told her I've fallen in love with her. I've never connected with someone on that level. And the dad says, to me, it's difficult to care about somebody when you're seeing other people. Matt's like, I hear where you're coming from, but when I'm with Rachel, that's all I'm thinking about. So the dad has built this wall of skepticism and then Rachel gets some time alone with dear old dad and she says she sees a future with Maddie as qualities that she's been searching for and not found anywhere. Dad brings up the other women. She thinks she's different and Matt James is a good guy and her dad says they're here to support her. They just want to make sure she's being respected. She says she would walk away if she didn't have really strong feelings for him and finally... Her dad tells her that they're happy if she's happy. They embrace and they say they love each other. And then we're on to the porch bench. Matt's trying to give Rachel what she wants here and says, oh, well, I told your dad that I was at love level three. But it's important for me to ask for your dad's blessing. That's not a conversation I want to have with four families. He only wants one blessing. And he says he will call them and ask for it at the time. Didn't feel right asking just to check a box on the Game of Roses uh, scorecard. (laughs) When he said this shit, I almost lost my mind. This is one of the few powers that a lead has in the playoffs is to acquire blessings or to rewrite the rules of it and say, I'm not going to fucking ask for a blessing at all. Not until I get that telephone, not until I'm down to the last person. We've seen other players do that. Ben Higgins did it. No, he's only going to do phone call blessings this season. And Rachel says, part of me is hoping he would have asked my dad, but they make out. And then we get to the next day in portion five. This is hometown number three. It's an adventure hometown with a little off-roading and a picnic side event. Matt James walks through some tall grass in a forest. He waits on a path and Bree pulls up in a jeep. She exits the jeep and performs... A hooju. This is not a bad hooju. There is no approach because she drives immediately up to Matt James. She should have parked maybe 20 yards away and run to him. Yes. 
Getting more momentum for uh, the mount is what you need here. It's a nice mount. That wasn't your error of the game? No. Parking distance? No, no, no. It was a nice mount. It was missing the ankle lock. But it was a good cling, good kissing, perfect dismount. Could have been better, but I'm I'm excited to get into that one with a little more analysis on my Instagram. Be on the lookout this week. I think you should give Bree some credit because she is so much smaller than Matt James. Tough to get up there. You get up there or you don't. I mean, it's a hooju. It's like hitting a home run. If the ball goes over the fence, it's a home run. If it doesn't, it's not. (laughs) One day, I hope we meet Matt James and Tyler Cameron at some event, and then you show them how to hooju properly. I mean, I don't know if I'm physically capable of doing it either, just like I can't hit a home run in Major (laughs) League Baseball. I'm not saying it's easy to do. These are, in fact, hard athletic movements to do, and you're either capable or not. Well, after that, Bree says her plan for their date is also revenge. All the women are seeking revenge <laughs> on Matt James in their hometown dates. I didn't even pick up Today's on that. payback, <laughs> and they're going to be off-roading to make up for the fact that he flipped her on the ATV and almost killed her. You see a deer in the woods? Not my creature of the week. Wasn't mine either, but he did have a nice lip lick. Breed does a little colorful narrator thing here. Today's date goes to show what a bumpy and crazy ride this entire experience has been. And Bree starts getting deep on the questions. She says, so you had a job from the time you were 12. Matt says, I worked at Christmas tree lots. I always had a job. I like when we get these details that are different and not all the same conversation. Then they go into a field and they get out of the car and have a picnic. Can we get a little shot of something here? Just a couple creatures. Three horses. Watch them as they picnic. And these were almost my creatures of the week, but they weren't, Mm -hmm. as you know. They deserve recognition, however. One of the horses looks directly into the lens. Vying for the creature of the week award. Yes. Oh, my God. Everyone's going for that fourth audience this week. Bree tells him she's excited for him to meet her family, and he remembers that the conversation they had about their moms was special. He hopes he gets to meet her mom. Bree tells him that he will be meeting her mom, Lauren, who might be tough because she's always had to play the role of mom and dad, and this is all uncharted territory for them both. She didn't expect this for him to be meeting her family. I love that loading of the familial walls. Excellent job, Bree. They bond over the fact that neither of them have a conventional family, and she says she's happy and excited about where they're going, and they seal it with a kiss. Before we begin portion six, please enjoy this word from our sponsor. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Portion six begins at night. Matt James hauls a giant bunny rabbit through the shadows of Nema colon. And then they enter a room and meet Bree's family. It's her mom and her best friend, also named Bree. Friend Bree produces tears immediately. Bree Bree produces tears immediately. Barry for TRR on the greeting. 
an infant baby emerges. This is Bree's baby sister. And Bree bounces the baby as she sobs. Baby also does some strong tear play. This was excellent, an excellent move bringing the baby. Bree gets to demonstrate her mothering skills here. And Matt says, it made my heart melt. You envision what your family is going to look like. He's loving the future casting that's happening this week. Then Matt gets some one-on-one time with Bree's mom sitting by a fire. And her mom ITMs that she might make him feel uncomfortable because she has some hard questions. And then she asks Matt James how he feels about her. He says their connection is different from the other women, which is what he's telling all the parents about all the women. And I guess it can be true. These are unique human beings, so the connections must, in fact, be different. He tells Bree's mom that he's falling for her. This is an LL3 load to parent. And Bree's mom says she's a realist. He says that works for him. And her mom says she's afraid of being shot down. And her mom demands a precog. Matt James delivers. I absolutely see Bree in my life. The mom was gr- doing a hard grill game. Bree sits down with her mom after that. And Bree says, s- describes their connection. Someone is looking at me and seeing every single part of me. And the mom says, it's crazy, but it's not crazy. I don't think it can be faked. Supporting that 4TRR. Bree loads off level three, says, I do feel like I'm falling in love with him. I'm so, so scared. Mom says, make a commitment to yourself to be honest and you have to be vulnerable. She says, worst case scenario is we're mending a broken heart together, but we'll survive. Very strong mom play here. Mom's telling her to go for it. You got nothing to lose. And even if you do lose, I'm here for you. We got this. Bree says, these feelings make her want to put up a wall. But she knows she has to be vulnerable. She's going to have to play the wall game here, and she's doing it right in front of our eyes. And then we get another bench zone. Matt James and Bree sit on this bench, and Matt James tells her it went very well. Bree is so, so happy he got to meet her family, and they brought new perspective for her. This is very similar to how Michelle laid out her LL3. And Bree says, after talking to my mom and the other Bree, I feel like I'm falling in love with you, LL3, and I just want more time with you. Matt James says, thank you for sharing that with me tonight, and kisses her. I'm falling in love with you. Thank you for sharing that with me. But this was a perfect LL3 play. She had a very good hometown date, a very solid play by Bree. She raises her love level. She gets family support, baby tears. Not a lot more you can ask. There just wasn't the same attention to detail. There wasn't the same precision in her play that Michelle Young had, where everything was done exactly correctly at every moment. Mm -hmm. There was never a moment of hesitation. There was only one child, no child army. It was an infant, though. Yeah, fair. But Bree's mom has a little bit of skepticism on this date that we did not see from Michelle's parents. It was a little bit of hesitation in here. But nonetheless, a a very good hometown date. I would rate it just behind Michelle's. Agreed. They were definitely the top two hometowns. We begin portion number seven with the fourth hometown day portion. Matt James is running down a street. 
And then... Serena Pitt waits for Matt James at the end of a long path. Matt James jogs to her. This is not how you do a hooju. This was the hooju that broke my fucking heart. Because the cling and the dismount are fucking perfect. They are fucking perfect. Double ankle lock. Kissing. She's got a tricep arm lock to get a tighter grip. A perfectly landed dismount. She maintains eye contact with him. She maintains physical contact with him. And it is stuck. Two feet on the ground at the same time. No back bend. Perfect. It's fucking beautiful. She has no approach and no fucking mount. She literally stands still and waits for him to pick her up off the ground. Well, she's not into tantric yoga. Even if we can rate her cling and dismount at 10, the others get a zero. They don't exist. The highest score she can get on this is a five. It was crushing to me. I was like, you have literally done two pieces of the hooju perfectly and you've done the other ones on a zero scale. Not even, it doesn't exist. I couldn't believe How it. How can your last name be Pitt? <laughs> SP. <laughs> Killing me. <laughs> pit out of the pit. Hey, I appreciate the I appreciated the makeout. We have been seeing a lot of kissless hoojus, which is like sloppy. That's what I'm saying. Her cling was fucking beautiful. It was beautiful. It it's going to be very hard for me to go back and truly analyze this Suju, but I'm going to do it because if I can find anything to make me believe maybe she did have slight approach or mount, I can give this a high score. And I want to do that because these two pieces of it are so fucking good. So benevolent of you. It's not benevolence. <laughs> I'm objectively judging these things. This is, People think it's like my subjective opinion. It's fucking not. There are hardcore criteria for what make each piece of the hooju a fucking 10 or a zero. It's like when you're watching a floor routine in gymnastics. The next one, I'm going to come up with scores for each element and you tell me if I'm right or not. Okay. For next week's game. Great. Love it. After that crushing performance. <laughs> well, it hurt me. I don't know what to tell you. Serena P intros what she has planned out. She says, because I can't bring you to Canada. I thought I'd bring Canada to you. Are you ready to become a true Canadian? And we learned that becoming a true Canadian means going to an empty bar that has a lot of Canada flags, a stuffed moose. There's a map of Canada. There's maple syrup. And she makes this into sort of a school school test date with making him identify on the map where she's from, testing him on flashcards for regional words. They eat some local cuisine from Canada, pea meal bacon, poutine. They eat some Nanaimo bars. And Serena is setting up that they have so much fun together in her ITM. That is usually a kiss of death. We just have so much fun together means there is no substance to the relationship, very usually. They then play ice hockey. I thought this was pretty good for picking what activities to do with Matt James. You got food and sport. Yeah. Two of his faves. And at one point during the ice hockey, she says, I'm here to collect my prize and kisses. So I guess it's a cut that they did a bet in order to kiss with the hockey game. 
That's a good kiss lead in line. And then we begin portion eight. This is the night portion of Serena P's hometown date. They arrive at the familial home (laughs) and Matt James has some flowers and some bags, notably the same style of bags used on the Rachel Kirkconnell pretty woman date. They kiss on the porch before they go in. And when they enter, Serena hugs everyone. Mom is giving us tears. Matt hugs everyone. Serena is giving us tears. And then Serena's sister says something interesting. And we see this is how a family can help you when you get in our beloved game. Serena's Mm -hmm. sister says, how'd you get out of the limo? And Serena says, I did the step stool thing. And Serena's sister says, that was my idea. I loved that. It was fucking great. That means this family's invested. They have talked about all of this. People are crowdsourcing their limo exit ideas. I thought we were going to see incredibly pre-planned play by the entire family after that comment. I don't know if that's what we got, but that's what I felt like in that moment. If it was a plan, I'm not following. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nat gets some one-on-one time with Serena's mom, and she's like, what is it you like about her? He says, she's smart, beautiful, has head on her shoulders, challenges me. There's mom's, her mom says, this whole process is fast. And she ITMs, I don't know if she can get engaged this quickly, loading mom walls. Meanwhile, Serena P. talks with her sister, who asked, do you love him? And Serena, <laughs> Serena completely falls apart in this moment. She says, on paper, he checks every single box. We're so playful. I'm catching up to his feelings. But I, I'm falling for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look. Hey, do you love this guy? Well, on paper, as soon as you say that, it's over. It's like, it's fucking yes. done. Whatever's coming next doesn't matter. You fucked up. This is, her sister says you don't seem smitten. She promotes an anti-glow, a dimming, yes. if you will. <laughs> And honestly, I feel like the sister picking up on this and saying this was an error. You don't want your family to implode your game like this. And Serena loses it from this point on. They talk about how she's in her head, but maybe she's looking for that it factor. The sister Talia is like, it's kind of like the anti-future casting. It's like, what if your future is this and it's horrible? One thing I worry about you is if you get engaged and you're like, I messed up. <laughs> I guess I just like, I'm like engagements. I now think of all engagements as just like, eh, it's casual. Might as well just do it. Well, I mean, in the construct of the game, you have to. And then you stay engaged for a year, you keep the fucking ring, you sell it for $100,000, and you get to do a bunch of spawn con. That's what this game is. And in moments like this, where a player gets far enough that they might get a ring, I guess you're still in the top four. So statistically, you are likely to have over a million followers after you run on a potential paradise or whatever it may be. So maybe that's her end goal. I mean, there are three objectives of the game. Ring, crown, and top four finish. She has one of them. And if that was her true objective, she's piecing the fuck out but i agree with you and can the top four objective is so that you can touch sand and get a million followers top four average instagram is over a million ring winners of the past in the paradise and professional eras don't have over a million 
on average. Well, after this anti-glow, Serena sits down with her dad and immediately starts spewing her doubts. Talia thinks I'm in my head. I didn't fathom having these doubts. And it's just, it's unraveling. I mean, we're just watching her at this point spiral out of control. She was a very good player, I thought. And um, this moment to see a player just completely disintegrate like this is always hard to watch, especially after they've put in, I mean, she was the only player who had two one-on-ones. That's an almost impossible feat to Mm. do. And she did it. And now it's ending in this. Yeah. I mean, it's a marathon. You got to keep it together the whole way through. You only got a couple weeks left, SP. And then she gets some one-on-one time with her mom and she tells her mom she doesn't know how to navigate the doubts, just hitting this again and again and again. She doesn't want to feel like she made a mistake. She enjoys her time with them. They have good conversations. He makes her feel good about herself, but she can't put her finger on it or verbalize it or write it down, but there is something causing deep doubt. And her mom hugs her and says she needs to take what she needs and we get Serena tears. Her mom does a decent cover here. It goes that, oh, that last relationship really messed with your head. Sort of like, uh, a PTC might explain this behavior. And then her mom hugs her and LL fours her. And Serena ITM, she doesn't know how she's feeling. We get some tears and we cut to the bench zone. She tells him she has a lot of thinking to do. And she's going through <laughs> doubts coming from within herself <laughs> and these internal battles. Yeah. She says, doubts that don't have to do with you, they come from within myself. And it's like, they clearly have to do with him. (laughs) And then Matt James says they can have that conversation. He tells her to focus on where they're at now and not think about anything else. Definitely don't think about the future or what a relationship would look like immediately after this. Just think about this moment. And uh, he goes in to kiss her with his eyes as open as they've ever been in a kiss. (laughs) It was terrifying. (laughs) That's what the doubt is. She's like, I just, every time we kiss, I just like feel weird and I can't put my finger on it. (laughs) (laughs) She can feel him staring at her through the kiss. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Then we go to the auto zone where we get one more kiss and Matt James gets in the car, pulls away. There are no love levels on this date. There are no walls raised or lowered. There is just this specter of confusion and doubt that is tainting her entire season really yeah i mean i still think she will make bip but woof this is mishandled if you're i mean if you're gonna quit you don't do it like this <laughs> no you do like a kit keenan style yeah you definitely you want to be the instigator of that knock-knock, not letting the knock-knock come to you. Which is what happens in portion nine. We see a waterfall. Then we see a sheep. And Matt James is sitting on an outdoor couch somewhere in the middle of the forest, and he's pondering. Dark Lord Harrison trudges up, crunching those leaves, sits on the couch to talk to him. Matt says, I've never felt this way. DLH says, are there any concerns or are they all, are they all green lights? And Matt James is like, well, Serena P. Dark Lord Harrison references his preference list, says, 
Well, she's been high on that list the whole time. Meanwhile, the women start to get ready. And Matt James pulls Serena P for a knock-knock. Goes to her hotel. She doesn't even have hair and makeup done at this point. I mean, this is another reason why you want to be in charge of your own knock-knock. You want to look good on your way out. Not that she doesn't look good, but she was not prepared. And then he sits down next to her, and then he tells her he knows how he's felt about her for a long time. And seeing her struggle through this, he wants to make sure she feels special. And he tells her she's the person he spent the most time with, referring to the double one-on-one, and that's intentional. He sees a future with her, and he wants to share a life with her, he tells her. Is he basically in this moment saying you've won the game? Or is this just more like you're special, you're special, you're special, I think it's, you're special? I think it's his loaded lines he's saying to everyone. You've got unique characteristics. I've never felt like this about anyone. I, he's saying that line over and over. And it's like, yeah, I guess, like, arguably, yeah, you have different specific feelings about different people in your life but (laughs) he says he wants to share a life with her what does that mean that's a little more specific in that you can't really share a life at least in this system with her and someone else that to me is like you've won the game if you want it you think he was gonna pick her over rachel that's what that line made me think Hmm. but she sighs and says they have to have an honest conversation She was excited, but she has moments where she struggles and has doubts. She says her mom made her realize that although he has all these good qualities, she couldn't talk about her feelings for him, and she struggled, and she thought it was fear. But if she's being honest, it's more than that. She doesn't think that he's her person, and she dumps Matt James. This was my... Error, 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 error of the game. This was also my error, 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 error of the game. I've said it once. I'll say it a million fucking times. Don't so <laughs> eliminate. There's no benefit in it, especially Never. when you're in no. this level of the playoffs. You can self-eliminate next week also. You can self-eliminate at the fucking altar. I mean... You can always self-eliminate up to the last moment that they are rolling cameras on you. Doing it prematurely just guarantees that you won't get as much screen time as maybe you would have otherwise. I also, if you are going to self-eliminate, you need to be the person in the power position of that. This was just like a slow spiral and then Matt James has to drag it out of her. Uh, Not on her own terms. And... You know, you're not getting you're not getting the victimization play that you would get if you're one of the top four people who are sent home. But you're also not getting the like strong independent woman, like I wanna choose somebody who like is my person also. You know, like I could see you twisting it in a way where you're like, No, this is a two way street and like he's not my person. I know my person's out there. Emphasis yeah. on that. Like, put me on sand. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is just... I mean, she does pull tears out, so that's good. Um, I agree with you, though. It was sloppy. It was just... I think it's exactly what you're saying. She did not think about how this was going to go down. She had no plan going into it. 
But it happens, and Matt James then stews in about a minute of silence before he finally says this stinks about 10 times in a row, and then he walks her out. She puts him in a car and drives away, and Serena ITM's tears, admitting that it's just hitting her for the first time that this is the last time she's going to see him, and Matt ITM's disappointment. That's not how he saw their journey ending. He conjures tears in this ITM, and he says he's been running from difficult conversations his whole life. Now he thinks about the other women, and he's scared that this might happen with one of them. The last thing he wants to do is leave with a broken heart. And finally, we are given a shot at the end of portion number nine of all three remaining women standing in front of the rose pedestal, ready for the rose ceremony, wondering, where the fuck is Serena P? Am I crazy? Was this the same ITM that he did after Sarah uh, Trot left. You mean the exact same footage or just the same words said? I don't know. <laughs> They're just switching an ITM in and out throughout episodes. It might be because it's been in all the promos. By the way, small little moment when they cut to the rose ceremony here, Brie grabs Rachel Kirkinnell's hand to help her like steady herself in place for the rose ceremony. It was a good little 4TRR second audience moment Hmm. and we begin portion 10 with the women chatting amongst themselves in their rose ceremony positions being like is serena p coming and then we cut to matt james pacing around in a back room and from the shadows of the hallway the dark lord emerges he forces matt james to talk about serena leaving And he expresses his fears about the other women doing the same thing. We hit that beat again. And DLH finally leaves him to pace for the camera for a little while longer. Before finally coming into the rose ceremony room where he tells the three remaining women that Serena will not be joining them because she couldn't see herself as his wife. It wasn't easy, but these are now the types of conversations they are going to have to have moving forward. He says that accepting this rose means accepting that commitment. So think about it before you accept. And then he begins the process. It's a serious business proclamation that we often see bachelors or bachelorettes make when they have encountered a self-illumination. They're like, it's a two-way street, so just know you're accepting this journey with me. And we get to the rose ceremony. First flower... Of course, goes to Michelle. Who else? For her perfect hometown date. And she does a little flourish as she accepts and says, without hesitation. She don't need no time to think about this. She has already thought about Uh this when she signed up and began looking through Matt James's Twitter feed to get gems to use against him in the game. Flawless. That fucking flourish. These things may seem small to the casual viewer. They are not. Will you accept this, Rose? It might even seem small to the in-depth viewer. (laughs) Whoever it seems small to, I assure you, it's not a small thing when she says without hesitation. Flourishes upon Rose Ceremony acceptances are highly encouraged. They will always be shown in the document. We saw somebody named Demi Burnett do it every time she got a rose. Mm -hmm. It became one of her things. She had a new little phrase every time. 
saying things like absolutely or of course standard acknowledgements of getting the rose should never be said. You want to spice that up. You want to tune that up. Without hesitation, it would be my greatest pleasure. I've been dreaming of this moment all week. Something in those areas. My child army predicted this. That would have been perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm going to say if I'm ever on the show. (laughs) It won't make any sense. (laughs) Uh, Rachel Kirkinall gets second flower and Brie gets last flower. And Brie... ITMs, knowing the importance of this, says there's something a little bit disheartening knowing I got last rose. Can't help but wonder where Matt's head is at. She knows this is fucking with her RQ. Speaking of RQs, I've done some calculations. Mm-hmm. I'm now going to go through the rose quotients of the remaining three players. They're all very good. The rose quotient, first of all, for those who don't know, is a number. It is something we have derived, something we have created to illustrate how good a player is at getting high-value roses. These are one-on-one date roses, group date roses, first impression roses, final roses, two-on-one roses, specialty roses like knock-knock roses, or sometimes the lead will just give you a rose for whatever. Any rose that is acquired outside of a rose ceremony is one of these high-value roses. We assign them zero points a.k.a. a zero-point rose. Any rose that is given to a player within a rose ceremony is assigned a value commensurate with the order in which it was given. So first flower is one, second flower is two, third is three, so on and so forth. At the end of the season, or after you've accrued five such roses, you add up the point value of all the roses, and you divide it by number of total roses. That gives you your rose quotient. You're trying to get a number as close to zero as possible. The closer to zero it is, the better you are as a player at acquiring these hard-to-get roses. So the three remaining players we have are Michelle, Rachel, and Bree. In order, from worst to best, you have Michelle, six total roses, two zero-pointers, coming in with a 1.66 RQ. Next, you have Brie, eight total roses, two zero-pointers, coming in at 1.625, and in the lead this season is Rachel Kirkconnell. Eight total roses so far, three zero-pointers, coming in at 1.14, and just to give you some context, the greatest rose quotient player in the history of The Bachelor is Caitlin Bristow who had seven total roses, four zero-pointers, one first flower, two second flowers, and a strange (laughs) week without roses that occurred that season, giving her a final rose quotient of .714. That's why she's the GOAT. She certainly is the best player in Bachelor history at getting high-value roses. But that's where all their rose quotients stand heading into the second round of playoffs fantasy suites. And at the end of this episode, Matt James thanks them all for being patient. And we get a cheers to finding love. We also get Rachel Kirkinell loads love level four, says I know I really love him. So we know she's going to be pulling that out in one of the next 
two rounds, and then Matt James cheers them all to finding love, and we get a promo for next week, which is the Fantasy Suite promo. We see Matt James looking at a wedding ring. His mom tells him love is not the be-all, end-all, not what you want to hear going into a proposal. And we see Matt crying, telling Dark Lord Harrison that he is not okay before we finally get the tag of this first round of playoffs with Michelle and Matt James riding bikes and Matt crashes his bike into hers and falls on the ground. And that is it for this first week of hometown playoffs. Who was your MVP? For my play of the game, her extremely well-orchestrated 4TRR child army on the day portion, her love level three, Michelle was my M M M M V P. She made such a strong case for crown in this episode. Her her whole hometown date was so endearing from the kids to her parents. Um, she made it seem like she's a true professional who has been through shit trying to train, train, teach children <laughs> during the pandemic and that she's not an influencer, which, you know, we know bumps Bachelor Nation. Uh, she also like it, you know, she's the planner. It was perfectly planned. She was able to basically script this entire conversation to be able to have children ask the questions of Matt James that she wanted asked. She was able to have a child read a letter that she had written to her, hitting 4TRR harder than anyone ever. Not ever, but very hard. And it was so topical, This the distance learning thing. Um, also, her paying off... Matt James's wardrobe stylist in order to match him. Prepping her parents perfectly. Her dad was this highly... Her, both of her parents were highly empathetic characters. Her mom played up their parental longevity love story. Um, her parents hit her PTC of heartbreak in her past. And of course she had that ankle lock hoojoo. Michelle Young was also my... M M M M M V P. For every reason you have just said, of course, she destroyed everyone this game. It was just a perfect hometown game. I mean, fucking flawless. And add on top of this, this is not part of the actual game, this is part of the parasocial game, but add on top of that, how she is able to link her parasocial game to everything she's doing in-game. She has 10 posts, ladies and gentlemen, on Instagram. 10. She has 130,000 followers. Her bio is, quote, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel, Maya Angelou. That's her fucking bio on Instagram. She's using plays from the game to craft her parasocial identity. This is high-level shit, and I think, as we have said... We were waiting for the professional era to come. She is definitely a player in the professional era. And tonight, to me, proved it. This fucking performance was outstanding at every fucking level. You know how you make people feel good to be around you? You plan every last detail so that you can be extremely in the moment, extremely mindful. (sighs) 
so impressive. There's just not a step out of place. No. God damn. So we saw one one player rise like a phoenix from the late entering ashes, and we saw one player spiral out of control, Serena P. Poor Serena. But that is it. That's hometowns. And historically, I think this is the first time we have had two out of the final three players be players of color in The Bachelor. Definitely. So history is made with this hometown. And that, at the very least, is a good thing. Well, that does it for this first round of playoffs. Hometowns. And next week, we will be covering whatever that episode is. If it's going to be Women Tell All or (laughs) Fantasy Suites, we don't exactly know which they're going to roll out. But uh, if it's Fantasy Suites... Fingers crossed it's only one. (laughs) You think they'll merge them? I don't know. Oh, God. They will not do that to us. They will not do that to us. Hopefully, it's Fantasy Suites. But we will see. We will be coming out with our This Week in Bachelor Nation second episode of the week on Thursday. We will cover all of the Bachelor Nation news that is fit to print, as well as the parasocial plays, including what Michelle has been doing in her parasocial plays to pair with her hometowns, which is amazing. And what Dale Moss and Claire Crawley have been doing to... (sighs) fucking wrestle bachelor nation's attention away from this scandal and deliver us something that is fun something that we can all be very happy about in what seems to maybe be an orchestrated reunion who are you talking to something that's fun this broke my heart they're back together day's case is over oh (laughs) sorry it's like you don't even see how much i'm suffering (laughs) I don't. I'm my apologies if it was sincere suffering. Uh, yeah, we're back to Clail again, I guess. <laughs> Rooting for that one. No, it is extraordinary. Their their will they won't they thing is extraordinary what they're doing. I like this theory by some of Bachelor Nation that they're doing it to distract from they're being paid by the show to do it to distract from Chris Harrison's scandal. <laughs> That would be such poetic justice if in the end, after what they did to Claire and like kind of made her a villain of that season, now they're paying her to take center stage again. It seems unlikely. I agree. I don't think that's the case, but we will continue to watch their story as it develops, and we hope you'll join us this Thursday to hear all about that. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 6,910 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Rachel Lindsay. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now 
head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. <laughs> I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website, and these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.